Welcome to Smartest History. All right, enough with the echo and fanfare. You're here for history, right? And not that boring crap you learned in high school. This stuff's actually interesting. Like things you've never heard about the Civil War, Cleopatra, automobiles, Monopoly, the Black Plague, and more. Fascinating stories, interesting topics, and some downright weird facts from the past. It's a new twist on some stories you may know, and an interesting look at some things you may have never heard. So, grab a beer, kick back, and enjoy. Here's your host, Smarticus. The Mary Celeste is one of the most enduring and intriguing maritime mysteries in history. And on this episode of Smarticus Tells History, we tell you why. After setting out from New York with his wife and daughter, Captain Benjamin Briggs, his family and crew were never seen again. But his ship, the Mary Celeste, was found off the coast of Portugal, still seaworthy and with no signs of invasion, illness, or disaster. Following a contentious salvage hearing, theories about the fate of Briggs and his crew ranged from sea monster to murder. However, many familiar with the history of the vessel had another theory, a curse. Was Briggs damned from the moment he set foot on board, or is there a logical explanation for the sudden disappearance of ten people in the middle of the Atlantic? The crew of De Gratia was going about their duties with doge determination as the choppy seas tossed their small British brig to and fro on December 5th of 1872. They were just under 400 miles off the coast of the Azor Islands, which lay scattered like little lumps of green among the endless stretch of Blue Atlantic. A hum began, giving way to shouting, pointing, and elbowing among the crewmates. The captain, David Morehouse, was summoned to the deck where he took in a chilling sight. A ship at full sail careening erratically toward the Degratia. The men on board watched in disbelief as the vessel drew nearer with not a soul in sight on deck. Captain Morehouse ordered signals sent. They went unanswered. Morehouse was stumped. He knew this boat. It was the Mary Celeste, captained by his acquaintance, Benjamin Briggs. Briggs and the Mary Celeste had departed from New York just eight days before the De Gratia left Hoboken, New Jersey. The two ships were sailing the same route, both bound for Genoa, Italy, but Morehouse knew that with an eight-day lead, the Mary Celeste should not have been bumping around the Azores. Morehouse also knew that the absence of men on deck was cause for concern, not just for his friend Briggs. Briggs also traveled with his wife and infant daughter. Mary Celeste had been in operation since 1861, sailing first under the name Amazon. Owned by a consortium of nine people in Nova Scotia, the two-mastered Brigitine of 99 feet was tasked with carrying timber across the Atlantic. But just days into the voyage, captain and co-owner of the vessel, Robert McClellan, fell ill and was forced to turn back to Spencer's Island, Nova Scotia, where he died soon after. Some may have taken this as a sign of bad luck, but John Nutting Parker eagerly took over the role of captain and resumed the voyage to London. Along the way, the Amazon collided with fishing equipment in the Narrows off the coast of Maine and then sank a brig in the English Channel after a collision. Undaunted, Parker remained in command for another two years, working mainly in the West Indies trade routes. 
command eventually passed to another captain, and the ship's checkered history faded from memory as it quietly sailed between the Indies, England, and the Mediterranean with trade goods. It wasn't until October of 1867 that the Amazon fell on hard luck again, this time being driven ashore at Cape Breton Island during a storm. She was so severely damaged that her owners abandoned her as a wreck. The derelict was sold to an American mariner who spent over $8,000 restoring her. He made himself captain and registered her as an American vessel under the name Mary Celeste. It seemed the newly named Mary was determined to cause trouble though, and just a year later she was seized by the American's creditors and sold to New York Consortium. She underwent a significant $10,000 refit in 1872 that enlarged her length to 103 feet and increased her breadth by nearly 15 feet. A second deck was added, others extended, and much of her timber was replaced. She had a new captain too, a consortium member named Benjamin Spooner Briggs. Briggs was born in Massachusetts in 1835, one of five sons of sea captain Nathan Briggs. Salt water seemed to flow through their family's veins. All but one of the Briggs' sons went to sea. When he was 27, Benjamin married his cousin, Sarah Elizabeth Cobb. The pair took a honeymoon to the Mediterranean aboard Briggs' schooner, Forest King, before returning home to settle into the well-worn life of a traveling seaman and a waiting wife. The couple had two children, a son, Arthur, born 1865, and a daughter, Sophia, born in 1870. By the time their second child was born, Briggs was high-standing and well-respected captain. But he was also a man with two small children growing up without a present father. One of his brothers, Oliver, was struggling with similar feelings of dissatisfaction, and the two began plotting ways to make their fortune on dry land. In the end, though, they stuck with what they knew best. Oliver invested his savings into the share of the ship Julia A. Halleck, and Benjamin did the same with the Mary Celeste. They may not be on dry land, but at least they owned a bit of the deck under their feet. In October of 1872, Briggs officially took command of the Mary Celeste as captain for her first voyage following her extensive retrofit. He flexed his newfound power as captain and co-owner by bringing his wife and infant daughter along, while Arthur remained at home with his grandmother to attend school. Briggs selected a crew to suit him and wrote in a letter to his mother how pleased he was with these peaceable and first-class sailors. Briggs supervised the loading of the ship's cargo, 1,701 barrels of denatured alcohol at Pier 50 in New York City. He was impressed with the newly upgraded ship and eagerly ushered his wife and daughter aboard. On the morning of Tuesday, November 5, 1872, the Briggs family, along with their crew of seven, moved in to New York Harbor. But Briggs was a cautious captain and decided to anchor just off Staten Island to wait for better conditions. From here, Sarah Briggs wrote her final letter to her mother-in-law. Tell Arthur I make great dependence on the letters I shall get from him and will try to remember anything that happens on the voyage, which he would be pleased to hear, she wrote. Two days later, the weather was to the captain's liking, and Mary Celeste entered the Atlantic. It was the last anyone saw of the ship until Captain Morehouse's crew spotted it nearly a month later. 
Morehouse sent his first and second mate to investigate the strange ship. After confirming it was indeed the Mary Celeste by the name on the hull, the two men climbed aboard. They found the ship utterly deserted. The sails were ragged, with some missing altogether. Much of the rigging was damaged and ropes hung haphazardly over the vessel's side. But despite the complete absence of life on board, nothing seemed to be missing aside from the ship's single lifeboat. Inside the cabins, personal items from the Briggs family and the crew seemed to be left untouched. The galley equipment was neatly stowed and there were ample provisions in the stores. The ship bore no signs of violence, fire, or other catastrophes. Only the ship's papers and the navigational instruments seemed unaccounted for. Morehouse's men reported their abnormal findings to the captain. It appeared Mary Celeste had been orderly evacuated. Morehouse divided his crew among the two vessels and brought them both into Gibraltar. Mary Celeste was impounded by the Vice Admiralty Court to prepare for salvage hearings. The hearings began on December 17th. Attorney General Frederick Solly Flood opened an investigation that concluded that the crew had gotten into the alcohol, murdered the Briggs family, and then fled in the lifeboat. Flood also suspected that Winchester, who arrived in Gibraltar in January to inquire after the ship, had engaged in a conspiracy with the crew to kill the family. But with no evidence to support his claims and amid pressure from Winchester and the U.S., Flood released Mary Celeste to deliver her cargo in Genoa. Morehouse was awarded a salvage payment of £1,700, far less than was expected for the distance and hazard of bringing the abandoned vessel to port. The fate of the Briggs family and the crew of the Mary Celeste remains unknown to this day. Although the evidence gathered by Flood failed to prove his theories of foul play, many still suspected nefarious intentions were at the heart of the disappearance. Rumors swirled about the vessel's insurance policy, and some believe Winchester planned the ship's demise to collect. Another theory is that Briggs and Morehouse were partners in a plan to share the salvage proceedings, and Briggs and his family disappeared on purpose. Other superstitious seafarers believed a sea monster had swallowed the people aboard Mary Celeste. Some claimed pirates must be responsible, but the fact that nothing had been stolen made that theory hard to accept. The most plausible theory was that the vapors from the ship's cargo had expanded in the heat and led Briggs to fear a possible explosion. Perhaps he gathered his family and crew aboard the lifeboat in an abundance of caution and was swept to sea. Modern historians are still untangling the mystery of the ghost ship Mary Celeste. By all accounts, Briggs was an intelligent and rational captain who never would have ordered his crew to abandon a seaworthy ship unless absolutely necessary. Recent theories suggest that an inaccurate chronometer led to confusion for Briggs about the ship's position before hitting rough seas that caused Mary Celeste to take on water. Morehouse's crew had found a disassembled pump aboard, which may indicate Briggs was unable to measure how much seawater was in the tightly packed hull. Perhaps fearing that the ship was taking on water and believing himself to be closer to land than he was, Briggs had abandoned the ship, whereafter the tiny lifeboat likely capsized. As for Mary Celeste herself, the ship returned to New York in September. News of the Gibraltar hearings, rumors about planned murder, and a renewed interest in her less-than-stellar history made the ship unpopular. Winchester and the rest of the consortium sold Mary Celeste at a considerable loss to a partnership of New York businessmen. 
She resumed her trade routes, and newspapers followed her movements occasionally, capitalizing on her reputation as a cursed vessel. She continued to change hands frequently until 1884 when a group of Boston shippers and Captain Gilman Parker conspired to commit insurance fraud by running her aground on a coral reef near Haiti with a hold full of worthless cargo. After selling the salvageable cargo for a penance, their plot was uncovered and Parker and his accomplices were tried with conspiracy to commit insurance fraud. Parker was also charged with barratry or willfully destroying the ship, a charge that carried the death penalty. Discord among the jurors resulted in an agreement to allow the men to repay the insurance company, but Parker's reputation was destroyed, and he died in poverty three months later. One of his accomplices was driven mad, and another completed suicide. The Mary Celeste had claimed three more victims. In 2001, an expedition to the Rochellos Reef, where Parker sank Mary Celeste, turned up what appeared to be her remains. A few pieces of timber and a bit of metal were all that could be salvaged. The rest of the ship had been overtaken by the coral. Initial tests revealed the timber was of a type typically used in New York shipyards during the time of Mary Celeste's retrofit. Further testing, however, showed that the wood came from trees that would have still been growing as late as 10 years after the sinking. Mary Celeste, it seems, remains lost along with the truth of what befell her captain and crew in 1872. Thanks for listening to Smarticus Tells History. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review and make sure to subscribe. And be sure to follow the show at facebook.com slash History, or just click the link in the show description. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.